Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am joined today for an incredibly fun episode with baseball agent Lonnie Marie. Lonnie gives so much incredible advice about being who you are and, as she says, finding your uniqueness. She tells us how she became known as the miracle worker. She talks about the importance of accountability, her journey from a nonprofit to being a baseball agent, and so, so, so much more. We are brought to you by Favor Apple Cider Vinegar. And without further ado, I present Get My Job with Lonnie Murray. Lonnie, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. <laughs> it's great to be here. It is great to have you. As I told you before we we actually started recording, I am a huge baseball fan, and you have somewhat, even though I'm living my dream job, you kind of have my other dream job, so I'm super excited <laughs> to talk to you today. Babysitting? No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing I love more. <laughs> right. I'm sure there's uh, people all across America loving that job right now. <laughs> yes, I think that that is, I think that's very true. I think we are also hopefully seeing a resurgence and a new appreciation for teachers, which I hope there are long-term effects on that. But I guess that is a discussion yes. for a different time, probably on a different <laughs> yes. podcast. Um, for, those who to, for those of you who listen to this podcast every week, you know that we talk much about careers and obstacles and advice and, and stories that women have found along the way that we can impart to other women who want to work in sports or who do work in sports. And we are going to get to all of that today. But as everybody knows, we are living in a unprecedented time uh, in the middle of COVID-19, and we are all navigating that. And as everybody also knows, sports has essentially been canceled as a result. We have not seen live sporting events. There has been talk over the last couple of weeks that Major League Baseball potentially has a plan to get back on the field sooner rather than later. Lonnie, I would love for you to talk just a little bit about that plan and what your thoughts are on it and if you think it's even realistically a possibility. You know, I think that um, baseball is, uh, you know, all along the way has attempted to provide fans and players hope for this, you know, for a season this year. Um, And so we started out first with, you know, getting baseball off the ground early. I think it might have been maybe an ESPN article or something that, uh, sparked the idea that if baseball can be the first sport to come back, then, you know, it, it would increase viewership. And as true as that may be, unrealistic um, is more the word that comes to mind for me. So when it goes then from being, um, you know, coming back early with the approval of health care and government officials to then um being an Arizona thing, all teams in Arizona to now being a situation where we'll have a grapefruit and a cactus league and do games in both of those locations, still unrealistic. Um, one, having players sequestered, um, you know, it's difficult enough um, to keep 
you know, it's probably easier to keep cats herded. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can't imagine that after the, the second day, well, first of all, getting some players um, who have families, you know, children and wives, um, the whole notion of, you know, baseball telling these men, you know, hey, we need you to report. And by the way, tell your wife and kids goodbye. And meanwhile, leaving mom at home as a single mom during a pandemic um, to strap the kids up for a diaper run at the grocery store, um, a death-defying diaper run, unless they plan on sending grandma and grandpa. That is not realistic. It is not American. It is not all the things that they have tried to present the plan to be. On top of that, considering the percentage of Latin players that you would be flying in. Now, if uh, there is some sort of special uh, governmental uh, government uh, listing of the ban between Venezuela, Mexico, and the Dominican, specifically to open American baseball, so be it. But keeping in mind that um, testing has not really begun in those places. Mm-hmm. So once those, those young men are here also leaving their families mm-hmm. and you have a spreading virus, that's a really terrible thing to do and a tough situation to have them over here thinking about what's happening at home. When yeah. you think about the logistics of staying in a hotel room, um, never mind, you know, uh, post-mating uh, Chipotle every day or if you want Ruth's Chris, whichever end of the spectrum you may right. fall. Uh, <laughs> You know, um, is the hotel worker, is the maid service um, cleaning the room, is room service, is um, ballpark uh, janitorial service, um, are they all being sequestered as well? You had the CDC aboard the Princess just a couple weeks ago testing again to find that the virus was still alive on surfaces after 17 days. Mm -hmm. So at what point... You know, do you say that this just isn't realistic? Um, The whole idea of even uh, publishing something that says, well, we're going to keep extra tests on hand. Well, um, we're going to keep extra tests on hand for baseball players, but we can't get tests in doctor's offices and in communities that are requesting them, that that's unrealistic. And I don't think that any individual player um, would feel comfortable being part of that. I think that's true. Do you think if they, if they can't get it done, which it, it sounds like you feel like they probably can't and you make very compelling arguments (laughs) about that. And that I, you know, I don't disagree with on our fangirl playbook um, last week talked about this and I said to my co-host Stephanie I said you know I'm, this is way above my pay grade and I'm glad I'm not making these logistical decisions because it's a lot of logistical decisions so if they can't make that happen in your opinion is this going to just be a lost season will there be no 2020 baseball originally they had said if they can't get started in June mm-hmm. then they weren't going to get started at all okay, okay. now If that changes, if they move the date, um, then okay. You know, if you can start in mid-July or August, I don't know how. Maybe you don't call it a season. Maybe it's some sort of um, exhibition-type play that you can engage fans in, you know, so that, Mm -hmm. you know, when you talk about, you know, uh, being America's greatest pastime, if people are going back to work and we want to drive the economy or the economics of baseball itself, um, then that's a great alternative. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a regular season. 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a way for baseball to still engage fans. I'll be interested to see. These are all everything, of course, is a hypothetical. And so I guess mm-hmm. there's who knows. But uh, right now we only have hypotheticals. So I'll be interesting. To see. Right. So let's have fun with them. So let's, exactly, <laughs> let's have fun with these hypotheticals. They start, let's say they start mid-July, essentially around when the All-Star game would have been. Um, and it ha- we have end up with half a season. It will be interesting to see how that affects baseball going forward. Because if you end up with 81 games or 90 games, it'll be interesting to see going forward. Do they say, well, you know, we actually could do baseball with 100 games and not 162. It'll be kind of interesting to see if there are any long-term right. effects on that for the sport. And again, complete hypotheticals. Um, because right. then, of course, you end up with an All-Star game. But it essentially be a little bit more like an NBA season. And do we end up with that. So I'm kind of curious just to see, I think generally it will be interesting to see how this changes sports in the long term, uh, no matter what, because I think, you know, as when we all go back to work and we start to get back to our new normal, that's what it will be. It will be a new normal. I don't believe we'll ever right. go right back. And that will probably be across um, the board. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> right. Um, hugs will be difficult for me. <laughs> Handshakes yeah. will be difficult. You know, it's funny. I was you know, talking those... to a friend a couple weeks ago, and he was saying, "I wonder if we'll ever go back to a place where we shake hands." I mean, I don't know that we need to or should. Right there, I watched a, a skip the other. Well, it was an old episode of Sanford and Son, okay. and uh, Sanford's son Lamont got sick. I'll, I'll post it because it's hilarious. So he Lamont gets sick and he's off to the hospital. And as soon as Sanford closes the door, he runs and grabs his um, disinfectant and is just spraying his whole hand, you know, (laughs) like, Oh, he touched me ahead of his time. Totally. Totally. And it's sort of the the same thing where um, we will all be looking at each other differently. I, I, there are about, and I hope I don't offend anyone, uh, there are about five guys at the winter meetings every year, it never fails, where um, they, they kiss me, like, on my face, or, mm-hmm. you know, a couple lips have swiped in past. It's For some people, it's a generational thing, or, you know, right. I, I don't feel anything perverse from it, so I hope no one did. <laughs> right, that's fair, that's fair. But, yeah, and... Um, I tell you what, uh, you know, I used to dodge it before, but now I think I'm just going to walk around with um, like a, a big Urkel badge on, on my chest that says don't touch. Which is <laughs> you know, fair. Or, and you won't be alone. I mean, you really, you, right. you won't. Right. You definitely won't be alone in that. I So yep. that's. <laughs> I'm sure you get that a lot too. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. And the way we hug, everything. Absolutely. I think we'll yeah. all feel just you know, differently about that. And it's, it's so funny. Cause now as I think about shaking hands, like, why do we do that? It's cool to just be like, Hey, Lonnie, nice to meet you and, and wave. <laughs> it's okay. Right. I mean, you know, or bow. I don't mind bowing. <laughs> like, Any of these like I think you? there's a lot of alternatives uh, that we are going to see a- along the way. And that will, that will be everywhere, not just sports, but, uh, I am curious to see how it how it affects things in the long term with sports and and what it changes and how it changes things and we will we will see of course well, like I said hypotheticals and TBDs for sure I think your um uh your hypothetical that's a fascinating one I, I, that that will be very interesting there are so many you know other changes that are likely coming as a result of this already with the drown, uh, the uh, draft rounds being reduced mm-hmm. and um, which I do believe is was a political play to um, get Manfred his previously stated goal in 20, late 2019, where he said he wanted to reduce the number of minor league teams by 40 and uh, cutting the draft this year by 35 rounds at this point right now we've gone from 40 to five rounds Wow! and for next year they've eliminated 20 rounds now my hope is that baseball you know continues to work on that for this year and, and gives us at least 10 rounds um and you know let next year work itself out but 
those decisions will undoubtedly choke off the minor league teams. Right. Which none, none of that should have been impacted by, by this pandemic. I don't believe, I don't see how. Maybe I missed something, (laughs) but but I sure know a whole lot of kids that are impacted by it. That's a very interesting point. We'll see. It's like we said, long-term effects and what, you know, what gets, what gets changed, whether it needed to or not, but as a result of, and um, we will see, it's going to be, I'll be next year. I think we should do a follow-up pod. Kind of see. Oh, right. At this point, um, with baby. I'll be back in the nonprofit sector. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You gave me a very easy transition uh, to now really get to talk about you, Lonnie Murray, the baseball. <laughs> now we are gonna we are gonna switch gears and talk about you. Uh, but I would. Definitely like to have you back on next year, and I think also potentially at some point on Fangirl Playbook, so we can talk further about all of these proposed changes. But now we're going to focus on you, because this is your time, Lonnie. This is your get my time. (laughs) 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 I don't want to take you that way. Proceed with caution. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm very excited about this. I know we are just already having a fun and lively discussion, and I know that we'll just continue on. So you just said you'll be back in the nonprofit sector. Of course, you were kidding, potentially. I guess we'll see. But uh, let's talk a little bit about kind of where you started and how you ended up as a baseball agent. <laughs> um, it, it it kind of started, well, it actually started, I was working for a Coaching Corps based in Northern California, which is a nonprofit organization that provided after-school sports programming for underserved youth, and um, it was primarily funded by the Haas family, when the Haas family owns the Oakland Days, and, you know, very strong Northern California family, Um, very, um, just amazing people all the way around. All of that said, um, I worked for them. Dave Stewart was on the board. And he was starting an agency and I kind of had, you know, two nicknames, one, I won't say on here. And the other one was miracle worker. (laughs) That's a great one. I like miracle worker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll go for that. Um, And so David had started talking to me about it and um, he's like, I heard you were a miracle worker. You know, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are, all that good stuff. So um, I actually started working with him on, um, you know, player marketing, oversight of the off-season player development, um, because I had previously done NFL player development stuff um, for combine prep, and then uh, equipment management. And just me having my own personal nature, I'm kind of uh, observe what other people are doing wrong and fix it. (laughs) So I was, you know, other people that were working for for the agency. just watching how they went about their business, but also uh, what was fascinating is seeing the correlation between what I had been um, or have always been passionate about on the youth side and the correlation to player representation. Um, Either one, you're advocating for that person. You're advocating for an individual no different than I spoke for or I speak for the draft for the masses of young men that are kids that have worked hard to get to a certain point and it now being taken away. Same with contracts. If you're looking at a contract and, you know, it's not a money thing. It's a, you know, what has this person worked hard to, to earn? And the, the, the platform has been set. So I didn't determine it. He didn't determine it. It was an avenue and an opportunity that he chose to pursue. And I'm the fortunate person that he chose to represent him on taking advantage of those opportunities. Does that make sense? And so that's how I fell in love with it. Um, and, you know, so step by step, um, getting more involved with the players and then it turned from, um, 
never in my mind thinking I'm one day I want to be an agent. I was just doing what I do. And, um, you know, then players go from not just calling me about, you know, their marketing stuff or their equipment or, you know, their development, player development. It was, um, hey, Lonnie, what do you think about this? Or, hey, Lonnie, you know, what's up with that? Or calling, you know, behind, um, you know, other employees that were here, calling behind them and saying, saying, or requesting my perspective and then um that then turning into hey well can we call Lonnie or is Lonnie coming and that was the evolution of it and so I I kind of landed it <laughs> and I love it <laughs> and and how important I think I think what you said is is really important where you're kind of a protector for a lot of these players in so Absolutely. many ways and how important do you think that is? Do you think that that is a role that the majority of agents take on willingly? Or do you think really the most successful players and agents have those type of relationships? No, um, I think that representation is varied. Um, I definitely think that it's important for a player to know that they have a strong advocate in their corner. There um, are, however, plenty of players that don't know the depth of which an agent can go, uh, meaning that, um, for example, I ended up with a player who had some, we'll call, well, he had some legal issues. Okay. <laughs> and this was, this was before my time. <clears throat> and... Um, ended up, um, it, it was a really high profile situation where um, to the public eye, the, the kid had made what seemed to be some really bad decisions. And then the next thing you know, he was released by the team. That was public perception. Okay. When I met the kid, someone else brought him um, and asked if I would sit down and have a conversation. I looked up some of the detail. I thought, hell no, um, not a shot. But then when I sat down with this kid who had, has this public persona of being a hard ass, um, and he couldn't even really look me in the eye. So in a respectful way, like, um, he, he admits now he was just really scared of me. <laughs> and so, again, I go, because it's, you know, you tell me the truth, and I've got you. Mm-hmm. You're covered. You don't lie to me. We're good. We can get through anything. Even if a player screws up, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I learned from allowing players to screw up in the past and doing nothing you know, um, which is another form of condoning the behavior. I've Mm -hmm. learned from that and evolved into, no, baby boy, that is not okay. But we keep that in our house. Make sense? So Mm -hmm. when I I talk about it being um, similar to babysitting or parenting, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean that in the most loving way. And so this kid, it ends up that – he wasn't actually released by, well, he didn't choose the option, which was a really bad decision. Um, and then the public perception of what he had done wasn't the reality at all. But the agent that he had at the time um, told him, just let it blow over. It'll go away. Well, it wasn't going, it hadn't gone away because when I then was trying to get him another job, the public perception amid teens was that he had some issues, you know, some mental issues, which wasn't the case at all. Does that make sense? And if you have someone who's fighting for you or, you know, able to present you in your best possible light, you can't really fail. You gotta really work hard to screw something up. When you're good at what you do, you gotta work hard to screw that up and not get another opportunity. Mm-hmm. 
That's but no one advocated for them. No, it just took a lot of work to try to change the narrative that had already been out there for two years. Well, and I think you make a really good point too. When you're very good at something, and I do think our kind of our human nature and certainly um, our society values apology, contrition, mm-hmm. and what doing was wrong and, and asking for forgiveness and another chance. So I think those are such important qualities to also just teach someone despite what society wants. At the end of the day, it takes it takes a bigger person, I think, to say, I'm sorry, and I made a mistake, and I want to show you that it won't yep. happen again. And it's important to have someone in your corner advocating, you know, for you to do that. Yes, 100%. And you have a better society when you have better young men and women. You know, accountability is everything. I think that's very true. Accountability is everything. That is a very good, just general piece of advice. Uh, Richard Sherman had said earlier this season that the best ability is availability. And I think I think you could say both of those. The best abilities would be accountability and availability. And I think that's essentially also what he was saying. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's very true. Uh, so in this current like climate... Yeah, he's he's got some good. A lot of wisdom comes out of that Richard Sherman. I have to say, you got to. Yeah. <laughs> once a press conference, I'm like, I got to write that down, not just for my story, but also <laughs> for my like personal life story. I need to write that down. Right. <laughs> I'm sure he'll have lots of books in his post, you know, playing career. I I would think he will. He's really he's fantastic. Mm. <laughs> so the Richard Sherman plug from the podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> so in this current climate, uh, with everything you know that is going on, and with as we talked about earlier, players who aren't playing and in theory are sequestering and and all of the things and quarantining and doing everything they should be doing. But how does that affect your day to day? Are you hearing from clients more? Are you hearing from them less? Is there more? And I'm not using this term in a bad way at all, but is there more mm-hmm. babysitting and handholding that goes along, you know, with this time period? Oh, this one, this time period is hilarious. I, I get a lot more calls, but um, we're having fun um, for the most part. I, I have one little butthead and he knows who he is. He's going to be <laughs> listening. And yes, it's you I'm talking about. Um, he he must call me or text like five, six times a day. And what the funniest part is, I think he's the oldest client that I have. <laughs> so, you know, and he knows he's like, you know, I need my mama today. You know, and I'm like, what do you want now? And, you know, we just laugh about it because he knows he's getting on my nerves, <laughs> but he enjoys it for some reason, you know, <laughs> so it's all good. Um, I appreciate the time. I love the updates. Um, I've tried to make sure that everyone is not at 100%, you know, because they, they all want to work out. They all want to stay ready. That includes even the, even the minor leaguers. It, you know, it, it's precious because they want to be ready for a season that I know absolutely is not happening. And so it's keeping them at, you know, a six versus a 10 on the workout um, uh, difficulty level, you know, um, and then pitchers really reining them in because don't waste your bullets, dude. You're going to have plenty of time to get ready <laughs> for when you have to report. Um so that's really the the only difference. That's really the only difference. Well, before we move on, we are going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and then we will be right back. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. All 
All right, Lonnie. So here I would like to talk a little bit. I said that so awkwardly, but you know what? That's okay. Um, <laughs> here I would like to talk about. Um, but I, uh, I want to talk a little uh, criticism and advice uh, that things you've received and advice you could give. And so this is something I ask a lot of our guests, and we always get great answers. And I have a feeling we're going to get a great answer out of this one, too. But what is a criticism you received early on that, while it was really tough to take at the time, helped to shape your future in a positive way? <laughs> okay. So the the biggest criticism, <laughs> you know, the 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 two I've gotten the same criticism in two different ways. Okay. One um, actually came from David, and it was consistently, uh, will you calm your little ass down? <laughs> and then Sharon Diaz, one of the most beloved people that I've ever had the honor to have in my life, she used to tell me, you know, walk softly and carry a big stick. Um, and I never... I, I knew what it was supposed to mean. I just didn't know how to balance that big ass stick <laughs> because I I was used to um, uh, being in tough situations. Just that's my own environment. You know, I was, you know, my upbringing, my um, life experiences, <clears throat> just. I've always been a little bit, um, uh, I hate to call it scrappy, um, but I, it, my expectation is for people to be just and honest and to say what they mean and mean what they say. And I've never been one to stand back and allow people around me to, to fall short of that. And if they did, then you really shouldn't be around me. Um, and that includes when it comes to, um, you know, protecting others around me. And I think that's another reason the whole um, being an agent came so naturally as well, because I believe in doing the right thing. I believe in doing the right thing by people in general. And so um, having that, um, you know, as the years have gone on, I, I recognize that what that truly means is I don't have to prove it to other people. And I think that's where a lot of us get caught up by, you know, using our words or using our scrappiness or allowing our emotions to profess what we want others to know. When, you know, now I've I've gotten to a place in my life where it was like, whoa, I'm back. And I don't have to prove anything in my words. I'm just going to let them say whatever they have to say. And my actions will speak for me. I'm good at what I do because I don't allow myself to fall short. And so if, I, you know, not to say that I'm not ever going to make mistakes, but one thing is for sure is that I'm going to own anything that I do and I'm going to own it in the moment and not wait for somebody else to find out because then there's still an opportunity to correct it. So it's not that I'm necessarily the smartest person out there or because, uh, you know, I'm the best um person ever but what i am is passionate passionate about why i do it and everyone i do it for so there's no way in hell i'm going to do a bad job and most of all by stepping back and allowing myself to just do the work it's also helped to develop what i already feel were strong instincts no more fighting no more arguing no more proving to anybody. Just do it and pay attention. Make good decisions. So if you were giving advice to someone starting off early in your industry, mm -hmm. what advice would you, because I feel like what you just said is the advice in a lot of right. ways. 
and maybe maybe it's not mm-hmm. you may have other advice as well which obviously you're more than welcome to share but what advice would you give on being able to get to that point because it's not an easy point to get to and i think a lot of us early on do feel like we have to prove it and we have to show we know more and we have to show especially as women you know we have more to prove and we have to do more to prove so what advice would you give to be able to kind of put that aside and get to a place where you say no i I'm going to do a good job. I'm passionate about what I do. I'm good at what I do. And I don't have to prove that to anybody. You don't stop. Um, meaning there are no roadblocks. There are no hurdles, no obstacles that can stop you from doing what you're passionate about doing. If you want it, It's not about going out and proving it to other people. It's proving it to yourself how bad when you win or if you find yourself making excuses for why you couldn't get it done. That's when you really need to step back and check yourself and ask if this is what you really want. And that message is no different than what I tell my players. I don't care if the team didn't call you up. I don't care if you didn't get drafted in the round that you hoped or if you didn't get drafted at all. What are your options for getting it done? It's like a navigation system. If you enter in your destination and you miss that turn, it reroutes you. That's the same thing that you have to do for yourself. And if you decide to turn navigation off and, and blame Siri for not telling you sooner, that's your fault, not Siri's, not anybody else's. There's more than one way to get there. That is such a good analogy. I love that. <laughs> the navigation system is amazing. And like Richard Sherman, I'm writing that down. There's more than one way to get there. <laughs> You're going to get that. You're if, going my to give kids listen to this, <laughs> if my kids listen to this, they're going to be like, oh, God, there she goes again. <laughs> because, well, I think that's oh, my God. Great advice. You know, they know, well, they grew up with it. So, um, you know, they could never come to me and tell me about a teacher, about a boss, about a professor. Don't come in here with any excuses. You can tell me what happened, but then I need you to tell me what the solution is and how you plan to fix it. I think, you know, I used to work, actually, there's no way you would know this, so I don't know why I started with you, no, but I used to work for the former mayor of Washington, D.C., a man by the name of Adrian Fenty, who was a fantastic mayor, and he is a, a very smart man. He's gone on to do more wonderful things, but one of the things he always said to us that I take with me And everything I do is don't tell me why you can't do it. Tell me why you can. And of course, there are things where, you know, especially like working in city government, there are things at a certain point you're like, no, we really cannot do that. But you know what? He was right. And for the most part, you can do things, especially the things he's talking about, to make the city better and to make things run smoother. You can find a way. And I take that with me often uh, in, in fangirl and things that were different, different things we're doing. And if someone says, well, I don't know, and I don't know if we can do that, let's not talk about why we can't. Talk about why we can and see if we can make it happen. Right. Change the mindset. You're still not always going to be able to do everything you want to do. But if you change that mindset, you can find a way to do most of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if you wanted something more tangible, the one uh, thing that I get in trouble for, and I've had a couple, a couple uh, women that don't understand that this is also a message I tell men, mm-hmm. put some bass in your voice. <laughs> like there mm-hmm. is nothing that I find more disheartening is when you know, somebody walks in or presents with that Kardashian voice. You have seconds to prove your worth to anyone, but especially in the sports world, you know, and even worse, and I'm just going to say it because it's a fan girl, especially if you're attractive. 
people generally, unfortunately, our society doesn't take you seriously on the outset, men or women. Mm -hmm. So if as soon as you open your mouth and you start squeaking, you've lost some people. But keep in mind, again, that this is the same message I give to men. You know, boy, you better put some bass in your voice. Command respect. You can say some really dumb things. And you and I, we can have a sidebar about this. How many times have we heard some people say some really dumb things in a very commanding way? And some people will inevitably follow. And it's the, it's the absolute unfortunate nature of our society. There's a lot of followers and very few leaders. So at least present as one. <laughs> yes, I think that's true because if you say something with confidence, people yep. will believe you. And, you know, I joke about it a lot um, with colleagues when we're making a joke. And, and I definitely tend to be I'm, – I'm easy – to believe the joke, like, you know, if someone's like, oh, you didn't know that, mm-hmm. it's definitely a joke. I fall for it <laughs> most, a lot of the time because I'm a very trusting person, we'll put it that way. But there are also sometimes, you know, when you say to somebody, I don't know, you said it with such confidence, I felt like it had to be true. And there is a lot of truth in that. You come in and say something with confidence, then, right. you know, there you go. And that's why, you know, I think we hear a lot of stories and sometimes I, we hear them on this podcast and I've heard them elsewhere where someone will say, I really didn't have the experience, but I came in and I said, listen, I will learn. I will work harder than anybody else and I will do a good job for you. And I think there's so much right. to that, especially in this world that's really competitive in so many different areas that we're doing, whether in the sports industry or without the sports industry, but especially in the sports industry, you come in and say yes. And it's funny, another thing we talk a lot about in this podcast, and this is kind of more with our um, – with our guests that are in journalism or on television, writers, uh, et cetera, but, and, you know, editors, social media, uh, social media managers, and they've said they want to learn all the skills because the last thing you want is to turn down an opportunity because you can't do it. And there's right. that fine line between being confident and, and saying you can do something that you can't, and then it becomes a bigger yes. disaster. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, it's honing your skills. But I think there, to me, there's also something that I would find endearing or that would give me confidence if someone said, listen, I know how to do X, Y, and Z. B is not my strong suit, but I am going to work overtime and extra hard because I want this opportunity and I know I could do a good job. That's confidence. Right. And people buy into that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that the, <clears throat> reminds me of um, the Major League Baseball Players Alumni Association hosted like a, a work group for uh, retired players or players transitioning out of the game and how to, you know, get them back into the workforce. And um, one of my takeaways that I think is really valuable for people that are trying to get into sports, especially when you're talking about, about women. So the question for anybody is, is there, as you, you know, exit an interview or you follow up on an interview, is, is there anything that, you, that makes you believe I'm not capable of doing this job, right? Mm-hmm. And so... The, the spin on that for me when it comes, you know, to, to us as women is one, we generally, I don't, I hope, in, uh, we don't like to use the woman card, right? We don't like to say that it's because I'm a woman that this happened or didn't happen um, because everybody has a reason why something, an excuse like we just Mm -hmm. talked about, an excuse for why it didn't happen. And so then the question is, what is it about me that makes you think that he's going to be better? For for me, it's like scouting. You know, I don't argue with scouts about their perspectives on my players. And I ask them, hey, what do you think of, you know, Isaiah Green? What do you think of Ryan Garcia? Like, tell me your thoughts you know, as they're preparing for the draft, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, but if I argue with them, how honest is that perspective going to be the next time I have to ask? And, you know, keeping in mind that 
every time we come across someone, no matter what the job situation, there are too many variables that factor into their personal decision or their personal conclusion or their scouting report, right? There's too Mm -hmm. many variables. But what you can do is take that conclusion and use it to expand your own perspective or understanding of the industry or of people in general, in, which in turn guides your approach in the future. When you start to see a consensus, especially. I was going to ask kind of the number one misstep that you see women making trying to break into the sports industry, but in some ways I feel like you may have answered it without me asking, but is there anything else that you do see really a lot of times I say to guests, women or men, but I think in light of our discussion that you see women specifically making, trying to break into this industry. Um, I would probably just in part that I had to realize that um, it's not about me. It's not about me being a woman. It's not personal. Um, I think all of us, but we as women in general, are a little bit more transparent about um, how we internalize it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but recognizing that when when we can accept th- that and put a shield up that, okay, this is not about me. This is not personal. This is the culture. It's a longstanding culture in sports. I accept that. You knew that going in, so now let's accept it and figure out how we, we work with the obstacle. Remember, the obstacle is the way, right? Uh-huh. And so if no one is trying to keep me from being great, you know, well, for me personally, maybe a couple people are other agents, but okay. <laughs> you know? um, but in general, the challenges generally faced have nothing to do with who I am, my gender, or how I do my job. It's based on their lack of exposure to someone like me, someone that maybe looks like me. Um, whether it's me showing up to a meeting, and this one I've I had found myself in a few times walking into a room feeling very confident and ready to go only to then get in the room and have people look at me crazy and thinking to myself, what did I wear or, you know, what's wrong with me when ultimately it turned out, you know, most times um, that, you know, they just, we're communicating by text and email over the last year with Lonnie, not knowing Lonnie was a girl. <laughs> right. Oh, that's very funny. You know? that's good point. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, or maybe it's the fact that I sat with all the guys and I ordered a beer, like, or, um, oh my gosh, you, you curse worse than, you know, these kids. <laughs> so there are plenty of... There are plenty of things that are just um, uh, synonymous with who I am as a person that I find very normal, but that other people may not. Which is fine. <laughs> that's exactly it. And so it's recognizing that it's not a it's not a bad thing. It's it's not necessarily anything. But the bottom line is just remembering it's not personal to you. And it's one of those things where I've started to like toy with people in that regard, where if it, if it's that immediate reaction of someone that um, you can tell they've maybe either, you know, been put off by you, or if you think, that even at its core, you know, I don't think they like me very much. Um, I work extra hard on those people. I am extra friendly. How are you? Hey, mm-hmm. are you scared of me? I, I promise I don't, I don't bite today. I won't bite today, you know, um, or you thought I was a guy, didn't you? Like I've learned that and it, it's an icebreaker. And so when you feel that, I think that would probably be the 
best thing that somebody can do for themselves, figure out your icebreaker, be unconventional. There is, there is no playbook on your uniqueness, but you have to show it. Otherwise you're like everyone else walking in the room. Yep. I love that. There's no playbook on your uniqueness. It's, a, it's great. That's great advice. Just right there on its own. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, it really, it's, that's great. Um, and I think that the, that's an important message because you don't, and it, this probably sounds cliche the way I'm going to say it, but you said it way better, but the, but you don't need to be the next so-and-so. You just have to be who yeah. you are and that's fine. Your, your uniqueness and your yes. love that. Like look um, what you're doing. This is amazing. Thank you. You know, the, the, the platform, the lives that you've impacted, the, the number of women that have talked to me about your work, you have so much to be proud of. And I don't know of anyone's path that you're following in. And that's amazing. That's your uniqueness, you know, your and, playbook. And, and I... I appreciate that. And one of, I think I've said this on this podcast before, but I, I can't remember, but one of the best, uh, I guess, compliments for lack of a better word I've gotten since I started this was someone saying that with the word fangirl, we took a word that had maybe a somewhat negative connotation and turned it into a mm -hmm. real positive and like, it just made me so happy because that's what fangirl is. You know, it's okay to be a fangirl. And that doesn't mean yep. it make you less knowledgeable. It doesn't make you less serious. It doesn't make you less anything. It's just, yeah. you know what, I'm a, I'm a fan that loves my team, but is knowledgeable about my team. And, and that's what we wanted to create in a place for female fans. So I appreciate you saying that. And that's kind of been our thing and you're right that was a uniqueness and that's why I started because I feel like there's not really anything doing that that speaks to me it's a fan and yeah. let's see how it goes um and I've definitely I think I've said on this podcast before that I've been really lucky also I think to be on the beat that I'm on because my first day walking into the 49ers media workroom when I introduced myself to everybody and told them who I was and what I did nobody had a negative reaction and nobody was like, Oh, fangirl, nobody rolled their eyes and mm -hmm. they embraced me really quickly. And it, I feel very lucky about that, but I, I you know, I think it says a lot about them and, and hopefully the world that we're living in today. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. And that message that you just offered, I wish you could say that every episode <laughs> because that is exactly it. No one defines what anything means to you except you. Hmm? So no matter what somebody else calls you or says to you or their perception of who it is that you are, you define that. And that's exactly what your message. I, I love it. I love it. Oh, that's why I like you. Oh, <laughs> I like you too. <laughs> I mean, I can talk, we can talk on this podcast forever and ever. I think <laughs> follow-ups um we're definitely gonna have follow-ups well but before we let you go because i will i would talk on this forever and ever but i'm sure you know you probably have other things at mm -hmm. some point that you have to do this day today or this week uh, i have two more things that i love that are that are really fun and that i like hearing about from both of us so the first one is taking us through a day in the life of lonnie murray uh it could be now it could also be under more uh normal times on your daily basis. And then we move into five fun facts, which is the best, best. Um, but if you don't mind, let's start with the day in the life of Lonnie Marie, because I think it'll be fun to hear for everybody to hear <laughs> what that looks like. Um, uh, hopefully I'm able to get up early. <laughs> I try like hell <laughs> to get up between six and eight and then I can do like a regular workout, whether it's, you know, just weights and cardio at home. Um, I love, I used to love, uh, the, you know, Barry's Boot Camp or Orange Theory, if I knew that I was on a limited, you know, had that one hour to get out mm -hmm. of the house and, and go. But if it's after nine, I, I go hike um, anywhere from, you know, my shortest is about four miles and my average is about six miles because then I can take calls. Okay. Um, I don't have to miss anything. 
you know, got my dog, uh, so I feel safe. He's always watching my back in case some creepers in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) And he's scary looking. So, um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things that I, I just have, I feel like while I know the world isn't going to end if I don't answer a call or if I'm, if I'm not available to a client, like I do know that, but for some reason I cannot really convince myself of that. And so I have this obsession with always being available, no matter how small the issue. And so once, you know, I know the phone is going to ring like that nine o'clock time, mm-hmm. I, I'm there until all wee hours. That's that, that's, and it's the same now, you know, now I just got taxes done earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing to be said for that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yes, absolutely. I've reorganized my office. I'm working on a couple of projects that I'm really excited about um, that have, you know, those, those things that during a season, well, the season never ends actually in this job, but you know, you get so busy, you can't work on projects to even make the business better, you know, because um, I'm such a micromanager. <laughs> so um, it, this has allowed me to get some of that done as well. Nice. That's good. Yeah. That's good. It probably yeah. feels real good to have those taxes done early off your plate. <laughs> yes. All those things. Um, you know what? There was, before we get to five fun facts, there actually is one question that I did want to ask you that we had kind of talked about a little bit before we started and um, we'll, we'll end on this before five fun facts, but you talked a lot about opportunities for women in sports and ways that, you know, we can work not to have to prove to others. And all, all of your advice there was just really fantastic. I have so much written down on a piece of paper that there may be, if I ever write a book, there may be a whole chapter just based on your advice, which is exciting. Um, but one thing I wanted to get your perspective on is how do you think we can still improve opportunities for women in sports? Oh. You know, I, I, I will give MLB credit, I do think that they have done a good job over the last couple of years, at least from my view, um, of being more diverse and inclusive when it comes to women in the game. Um, You know, Jean Aftermath is like my cape crusader. I'm a total fangirl of hers. Um, You talk balls of steel and she says it like it is. Um, she's also very diverse in her thinking and she owns self unapologetically and and proudly accepting. But I say all that to say, you know, there are a lot of extremely qualified, um, female candidates all across, all across the board. And, um, you know, whether... There are, I do believe that there are limited pipelines for entry. And that is where I think improvement needs to occur. Generally, you know, the teams use, um, there's actually one person in particular at MLB that is truly a champion for diversity and, you know, women, people of color, just, um, and that's Tyrone Brooks. And I know he works tirelessly on um, doing a good job in serving um, that role. But the fact that I don't know another avenue to refer anyone to break into that world, the MLB world, mm-hmm. I think that's part of the problem. You know, um, Tyrone, you know, he's the father of daughter. He's a girl dad. And um, and so I don't, I, I want to be careful how I say this because he is a champion. He truly is. But he is one person. And um, that I think, you know, such a small pipeline for such a large industry um, is, is stifling, you know, but that's just my perspective. You know, 
Tyrone may listen to this and call me up and say, Lonnie, what the hell are you talking about? You can call this person and that person, but, (laughs) you know, I do know that Tyrone heads that that department, and and he's amazing. But um, there, you know, um, the winter meetings, there are some some real, this last year was absolutely spectacular in terms of um, the roundtable discussions that were really open to anybody. So if anybody is thinking about getting into baseball, and I mean anybody, male, female, whatever, elephant, go to the winter meetings, sign up for those panels, go listen to these people, get engaged, get involved. Like it is fantastic. And I hate to say it, but reach out to Tyrone. He's on LinkedIn. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> He's on LinkedIn. He does these awesome uh, networking sessions that occur all across the nation. Um, but again, if there were something that I think that, you know, maybe they could do better, it would be creating a bigger pipeline. Thank and you. More training programs. Yep. Thank you for that perspective. And you said earlier, maybe that's just your perspective, but if you're pretty dialed in, so if that's just your perspective, my feeling is that it's probably <laughs> yeah. not, not far off. Um, and if there are. Yeah, I'm usually people, right. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> Well, but I mean, but that's what, that's what you know. So, and you know what, if there are more resources and you saying that brings light to them, then I think we're one step closer. So there's. Yeah. Um, All right, so before I let you go on your way, we are going to do five fun facts. Every week I ask our guests the same five fun facts, which is, for lack of a better term, fun. Uh, And we get a different perspective (laughs) from everybody. So if you are ready, I will rattle them off. Okay. What is your favorite moment? (laughs) Yeah, here we go. What is your favorite moment in sports? Oh, probably, uh, I hate to bring it home again, but – Dave Stewart, uh, Kung Fu chopping uh, uh, Corrales yeah. <laughs> on the mouth. <laughs> I mean, it was a pretty solid moment. So that it was is- an amazing moment. I told <laughs> David uh, the other day we need to do like a, a podcast in this downtime of just him um, uh, commentating different fights on baseball fields. <laughs> well, that would be, that's really cool. That would actually be really funny. Um, fights on a baseball field or something else too. Um, they always make yes. me nervous too because I'm afraid that one day someone's going to remember they have a bat. So they always make me 100%. very, very nervous. Yes. <laughs> so the kung fu chopping, though that that's a whole different level, and that's fantastic. Um, People well, still talk about it. It's hilarious. Yeah. Well, because it's, yeah, it's funny. So that I think I can yeah. see why they do. <laughs> uh, what is your life motto? No excuses, just get it done. Like that. What's your go-to? Well, you kind of talked about your workout earlier, but if in the yeah. world, what's your go-to go-to? It's 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 hiking this year. <laughs> well, yeah, I think in 2020, it's probably your best bet. I think it's good that's your go-to. Um, yeah, well, I did a 50-mile hike through the Grand Canyon this last year. Oh, so wow. That's by accident, don't... Uh, Somebody I didn't even know asked me to go, and well, I knew her like a week, okay. <laughs> and I went. It was awesome. So anyway, well, that's very that's cool. Why I took up hiking. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Do you have a go-to yeah. coffee order? Oh, I love coffee, but I'm already hell on wheels, so coffee is lonely for me because everybody runs for me when I drink it. So I'm two <laughs> years clean. Okay, tea okay. it is. <laughs> two years clean on coffee. That's that's fair. Do you have tea? Do you do tea, or are you just Away from the caffeine. Tea. Tea. Uh, tea. The green tea is like a smooth, like, the, the you know, people around me are okay with that. Um, okay. And I feel smarter on it. <laughs> Maybe I'm just triggering yeah. faster. Um, but coffee, oh, uh, yeah, don't even ask my kids about that. It, it's, <laughs> it's like mom's on crack again, you know. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right, so we'll keep you away from the coffee. You'll <laughs> be far away from that. Yes, yes. Um, and then last but not least, is there a book you feel every woman should read? The same one every man should read, Relentless, Tim Grover, 100%. Right. Relentless. Fantastic. Yep. Love it. Lonnie, thank you so much. What a fun episode. 
<laughs> Thank you. That was awesome. <laughs> um, I'm honored. Well, I was I was honored to have you in this really. It was so fun. So if you guys like what you heard, and I'm sure you did, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. And don't forget to follow us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network for all things sports and fangirl. And I will talk to everybody next week. Bye, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.